Welcome back to Wine, Women, and Song. I'm back with ladies, women. As it should be. Yeah. As it should wine, be. Wine, women, and song. Yes, wine, women, and song. And mm -hmm. it seems like it's been forever since I sat around with ladies and talked about music and drank wine. And look at the smile on your face. I know. <laughs> He's pretty. I did put this together at the beginning with some of that thought in mind. So, yeah. um, anyway, so we are here to, uh, tonight with Paige Stroop-Bittner, Gabrielle Demare, Jessica Satava, and Megan Dimmock. Wonderful. All my Women of Song Vets, which is awesome, which is why I thought when I put together the theme for this, after being told before things like, well, no theme is really hard, so I came up with a theme. <laughs> so. The theme was based around the grape we're going to taste, which is Merlot. Ugh. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so I said music selection is kind of based upon Merlot's origin, French, or perhaps the uh, diminutive form of a blackbird or a young blackbird, which is Merle, which is where Merlot comes from. Uh, so I said that was the theme. Boy, it did not go easily for these ladies. Um, uh, you know, I, I and when I first picked Merlot, I just want to say, like, you, you gave that blow up page. I actually like Merlot when it's well done. But I, I thought, of course, of that movie almost 13 years ago that opened sideways, where uh, the character played by uh, Paul Giamatti, you know, says, uh, you know, I'm not drinking any fucking Merlot, you know. <laughs> I, he's just, I love I'm that not movie. setting the whole story up, but like that phrase caught on like a zeitgeist and tons of people just were like i'm not drinking any fucking merlot and merlot sales tanked i mean now partially the reason they tanked is because merlot wasn't being well made or <laughs> no, not all but like uh, okay merlot was uh shall we say one of the most popular grapes and so everybody and their mother was making a merlot whether it was a good one or not and flooding the market so the market had a large percentage of wines that were just let's say what how do you put it Paige? Blah. Uh, i don't Blah. know what you got you better go get it limoncello what are you eating? hey i think he's still a cracker you got something big <laughs> so um yeah 1985 uh, in 1990, that's Mer Merlot was just everywhere. Oh yeah, everywhere. And people theor were theorizing was because it's easy to say. Maybe that's why people yeah. were ordering all the time. That's but I heard plenty of people say it. Merlot, so it's not like it was that easy. Um, but um, well, regardless, it's a power to phrase though. Like whenever my boyfriend sees Merlot on the menu, he'll always quote sideways, and we don't order Merlot, so. Yeah, it had an effect on that. I know, I don't keep order Merlot either. But as a result, what's happened is, all those people who were just making Merlot to make money... Yeah, stop making money. Be, well, they stopped making money off crappy Merlot because yeah. nobody wanted to buy it. And the only people who were going to buy Merlot were people who really liked what the Merlot grape was about. And, um, and what is it about? It's about lush tasting wines, uh, Beautiful plum, cherry fruits, uh, kind of a voluptuous wine that in Old World takes on also beautiful um, earth and minerality uh, characteristics. And in the New World, kind of gets bold and like little bits of pepper. So it's, it's really good stuff. Lush and voluptuous. That sounds like a lady. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like something I want to drink. A lady. Sounds like a lady. 
so um, so that's why the theme was picked. Um, and so I I personally think that you should go out if you don't already and order that Merlot at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Chances are it's going to be a good one. Um, and always, aren't we looking for when we buy wines out, a greater likelihood that it's going to be good um, or enjoyable? So, um, with that in mind, I'll go ahead and start pouring the first wine, and then we can move into the music. Any questions before we move on? Why? Because um, my only issue with Merlot is that the amount of tannins tend to give me a Headache? Is there a particular reason why it's so heavy in tannins? Well, it's not typically as heavy in tannins as a Cabernet Sauvignon because the skin of the grape is not nearly as thick as the uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. And I'm just realizing I've really poured a lot for you, ladies. <laughs> That's for committing that, to, committing to that. No problem. Bucket. But um, so, uh, but that. But that also depends upon what kinds of uh, wood are used, barrels are used for the aging of the wine, okay. so and how long, which can also add a lot of tannins. So if they're using, uh, tendency sometimes is uh, American ones, not all, but a lot of them will use American oak, cheaper than French oak, and they might tend to use more new, which also is going to bring on more powerful tannins from the wood, um, because they all also because those. Um, American oaks also tend to give more vanillins into your into your wine, and Lord knows Americans have a love affair with vanilla. I do. So, right. So that would be a reason why sometimes okay. you might have that. So, and the other time, uh, the other thing I'm sorry, Paige is ready to toast. But <laughs> the other thing is, I think sometimes when people put too much tannins in. Then I get a flavor profile in Merlot I don't like, which is like a green pepper type of flavor. So everybody has. Been, hopefully, it'll be one of the three. No, that I'm stoked to try so. some, some Merlot. Yeah, and I want to know right. if you hear you taste green pepper. There you go. Smells good. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. 
How is it possible for a human being to be bad in tune? <laughs> so that was uh, Megan's choice, right? Yeah, that was my choice. So right, and that going. was? That was the King Singer, uh, King Singers singing Blackbird, mm-hmm. um, which I guess uh, Paul McCartney was the uh, person who wrote it. Some people say he wrote it with John Lennon, but I, I think people would say that uh, Paul McCartney wrote it. And... Um, I did a little research on it to see, well, what, what does it mean? What did it mean to him? And apparently there's some discrepancy that during in different interviews he would say one thing and one thing not. But I think, I think it's pretty common to assume that it was written uh, about a black woman. It, it was it, written in 1968 during the riots. And um, so it's, 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 a, it's a, to me, it's a song of hope. It doesn't matter whether you're black, white, green, divorced. Not. It's somebody uh, going through something and being able to then come through it with hope. Uh, like mm-hmm. this is, and and when you listen to it, I, li- I like the King Singers version of it because there's so much. First of all, it's in tune. It's it's such great singing. It's such interesting accompaniment with the, that they mm-hmm. do with their voices. So I, I really think it's very interesting that way. But um, I, I just think that I just I, I am going to be turning fifty, oh. and, and I'm surprised. Don't worry if you want to let it dead out. <laughs> I, I am, I'm surprised by how, um, how how many different emotions I've been having mm-hmm. lately. And so when I hear this song, it's like, it gives me hope for even what change I'm going to now do now that I'm moving on into a different stage of my life. And that's what I, I, I envision this song a little bit about. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Like, what a beautiful and, sentiment. And if you really, if you look, a lot of people have done a lot of different arrangements mm-hmm. to it because mm-hmm. it's so simple. Yeah. So you get to do whatever you want isn't to it, it. Isn't part of the um, guitar in it based upon some Bach piece? That's the other thing. It's oh, yeah. so simple, but not simple because so uh, when he was studying music, his uh, guitar teacher gave him these etudes. Mm-hmm. I don't even I don't remember what the piece was, and I decided not to try and memorize it because in an interview he said. He didn't even know what the name of the title was. Yeah. So I thought, okay, well then I don't need to remember that. The important thing was... License is, to forget. All right. So the important thing was is that at the time his guitar teacher gave him quality music to mm-hmm. study and that he liked it. And that's what he included in that. And you can really, you can really hear uh, uh, classical guitar. If you yes, yes, yes. you can hear the slide, yeah, the sliding and, and yeah. that beautiful uh, sound that classical guitar makes. So, well, and then let's talk about the way the King singers emulate that, and then also do their arrangement. Like they're all, they were founded by uh, choral students at King's College, mm-hmm. you know, and so that's pretty heady stuff, you know. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Let's start our group and. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not just in tune, so in tune, but they found these wonderful colors, yes. you know, mm-hmm. that clearly you don't sit there and go, oh, well, that sounds just like a guitar, yeah. but 
it's clearly human voice, but you, you know, it's not maybe Bobby McFerrin S where you're suddenly yeah. like, wait a second, what instrument is that? You know, <laughs> but it really evokes the energy and the space of the instrumentation that was, yeah. you know, originally done. It's really kind of and so balanced. Yes. You don't all of a sudden oh, notice one part over the other necessarily. And then, and, but everything is exquisitely done. When you hear that whistling, it's not that easy to whistle. No, and that's let alone that. I, no, I, I can't whistle a yeah. single bit. I can't I'm either. so jealous. I, can't either. I'm I just find it hard to switch between whistling and singing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. And I, I, I really love when pop songs are set in a different way and not necessarily it doesn't have to be an acapella or anything but just it gives when you have fresh ears on something you know it it um it, it lets you interpret it in a different way than you're used to hearing it um, mm -hmm. it's almost like hearing it i always find that i listen to the words a lot more if yeah. it's something that i'm not used to hearing instead of just sort of having it so in the background true. or when this particular version uh, felt so clean that you really pay attention to things that I never really paid attention to before, just in in the progression musically and also the the lyrics as well. Um, so I just I think it's great, mm -hmm. great version. I it was interesting because this time I was listening, hearing it differently too, and I kept thinking to myself, this sounds like a Maya Angelou poem. Mm -hmm. And so when you said that it was written about a black woman. I mean, of course, I know it's a Beatles song, right? I know who wrote it and all this kind of stuff, but like, like this is so, so it's just very interesting that it has that kind of like rising above kind of like, I'm... It's interesting you say that because there, um, this, it, uh, he had this poem book, Black, I don't know if it was called Blackbird or something like that, and he was doing all these poetry readings at the time. So wow. that's exactly what was going on in his life, what he was experiencing. So. And maybe that's why it's such a simple melody that he just didn't want to like complicate what was really going on. The words meant more. Mm -hmm. In this case, he was making sure the music served the text. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Very cool. So, wine number one. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's really tasty. Anybody smelling anything interesting on the, on the nose? I get tobacco. Like, really, like, um, like, not as pure tobacco. Whoa, look at you. Wow, that is so, you are so good. Being very detailed. <laughs> okay. well, I learned I from, I learned from the master. The master. So. I was like smelling cinnamon and vanilla, and I'm like, it smells like a snickerdoodle cookie. <laughs> um, so, but we have really good legs on this wine. Yes, no, green. Yeah, it probably is over 13%, maybe 13, 5, 15, 6. You can really tell just by the legs. <laughs> <laughs> That's impressive. Oh, yeah. No, you can't. Well, legs, legs and that I've tasted it. Okay. Right. You know, I, uh, but, that is yeah. amazing. Sorry. No, no, this is informative. We're learning. Could yeah, this well, be higher alcohol, bigger, fatter <laughs> legs. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe this could be my curve. How many years of school is it required to be a sommelier? I don't think you have to take school, but you have to pass a pass bunch tests. of tests. Yeah, you study so. and you pass tests. I mean, like, and so I'm actually toying with 
in the near future, like within five years, becoming a certified Love it. sommelier. Yeah, right. Love it. So, I think we all say it's yes. about time. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love it. It also takes money and time because there are you do sit for certain courses to sit for exams, in and and pay money to do coachings with people who have done it before, so they can help you. You know, with the things that aren't in books, so to speak. Sounds like singing. Yeah, right? Interesting, and so, right? But I mean, like, I always took this approach with uh, becoming, you know, something at some point where I said I could always cram the book knowledge, mm -hmm. but I couldn't cram the tasting yeah. knowledge. So I'd be very, always be very critical about my tasting so that I would learn a lot about that and then I could cram all the book stuff later. But I, oh, that's interesting. Um, I'm not going to try to become a master sommelier just because I, I don't want to put in that much time and effort. And I love my wife and I like to see her and spend time with her. <laughs> and my understanding from yes. any observation and anybody who's done it says you basically are all about that for six months to three years, depending on how long it takes you. That's my to understanding, pass. that you give up every aspect right. of your life. And I'm not willing to give up singing, and I'm not willing to give up time with my wife. I'm just not willing to give it up. So I'm going to go for the step below, which still is pretty exclusive. Yeah. It's less than 500 in the United States. That's so mm -hmm. um, even if I came from there, it would still be less than 500 significantly. So. Um, that's I, so cool, Jay. So that that's a goal down the line, but um, what was I going with this? Jessica was saying it was you know her career. And then oh, we career were, choice, yeah. right? But so how long does it take? I don't know. Some okay. people it takes four or five years. Sometimes people it takes fifteen, twenty years. Depends upon how you study, how much time you take, etc. Um, I also think I ruined my taste buds by starting to drink coffee when I was a small child. I started huh. drinking coffee before I started drinking wine. That's how I got into evaluating beverage. Mm -hmm. So, well, okay. you didn't so, ruin your palate. Yeah, I get a lot of cherry on the cherry on the palate. We're moving bring back to the back, wine. Bring it back. <laughs> no, I'm the taskmaster. Is it pepper or is it just me? No, it's no, pepper. no totally mm -hmm. is. I get a lot of pepper. I think there's pepperiness. I don't think it's quote unquote spicy, but it is no. peppery. Mm -hmm. It's not like you're like, you know, like you're like, you, when you taste things, you're like, oh, I taste pepper in that. But you're not like, oh, this is peppery too much. I think yeah, there's a right. little bit of black pepperish in there. Um, I think it is kind of lush, but the tannins finish uh, a little dry. Hi, yeah. 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 It's better than it's better used to. Finish than I'm and I think there's like a little chocolate on the palate. So, unsweet chocolate. So unsweet chocolate. Oh, which makes good it one, huh? guys. And forgetting like for all that vanilla I was getting on the nose, I don't get a lot of vanilla on the palate. So I think that the wood tannins came out more in the aromatics than they perhaps did on the on the palate. So I think. Wow. All right, Zeus is very active tonight. Um, <laughs> For sure. Uh, so all of the commotion you hear in the background. It's Brie chasing Limoncello. I think actually Brie and Limoncello are playing for the first time ever. Yeah. Wow. Um, Must be the song. serious play going on. Yeah. Um, so I apologize for any background noise, but maybe uh, we should move on to the second wine and the second song. So if yeah. you're not finished, like I'm not finished, I'm going to go ahead and dump. Twist my arm, Jay. Twist your arm. Twist my arm. Okay. Another wine. I think I'm down. Okay. 
orchestration is gorgeous. And this is probably the most upbeat sounding of all of them. You know, when Jay uh, gave this topic, you know, f the French wrote so much about birds. Yes. Mm. It's like every French song has a bird in it, but it was really, really hard to find a male. You know, so this was the, the only song that I could find that had a blackbird in it, and it, it's in the first. Isn't it usually a rossignol? Yeah, I know. I had so many, so many nightingales, so many just straight up oiseaux, you know. But oiseaux, uh, <laughs> 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 so I love it. <laughs> I, originally, I was looking for something by Messiaen because he wrote all these bird songs um, for piano and stuff, and but for to find something with voice was was difficult. So, um, so yeah, this, this song is basically just um, describing, you know, the change in season and the birds coming out. And uh, so the end of the first verse has, we will listen to the blackbirds whistling. So it has this very kind of sprightly kind of feel to it. And I don't know, just this sort of um, coming of spring feel, um, which doesn't fit this particular season, but the birds are out, so. The theme wasn't fall. No, that's true. Was, right? The theme so. was Meryl, and I found a Meryl. So you did? I was thrilled about that. Um, Who was the singer? The singer, I may butcher her name, but uh, Misha Bruger gossman Yeah. Um, so I think she's Canadian. She I have a couple of her CDs, and um, she's a soprano. Mostly the song cycle is done by mezzos. Um, but her voice has a very interesting timbre. I love the color. It's, it's just, she's able, and in the, the rest of these songs too, and her other stuff, she she always brings, um, you can always hear her interpretation pretty clearly, and um, and she's just able to bring a lot of different colors, I think, mm -hmm. to the piece. Did you know that her thing is that she sings barefooted? I've seen recordings of her where she yeah videos where I didn't know that was her thing so that's her thing because I've seen her recording performs barefooted is it because With she, like, she, she feels grounded or if I could perform her way I would you know I, I mean do. she that's she's in a gown and she's barefooted yeah. I think it's I think it's awesome, awesome. yeah I love that yeah <laughs> except that I like wearing kilt I mean it sounds great yeah. but in terms of singing it's well you can always walk out of heels them off. Well, I've done that. Bare feet and, and that wouldn't be distracting at all. Well, you can do it in such a you way could, that... that it would be distracting all the right way. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You can make it right <laughs> yourself. Um, yeah, while we're on the subject, uh, subject, do you feel better singing in a heel or... Barefoot. Me too. Yeah. How about you, Paige? Uh, I, well, I don't ever sing by myself as a soloist, but I do find myself in concerts taking my shoes off. Okay. And, and how about you? Would you rather be in a shoe or in there? So this is going to sound extremely obnoxious. 
but I just have this thing in my brain that, okay, so yes, there's some really good things, like when I'm at home practicing, it feels really great and like comfortable to sing barefooted. Mm -hmm. Of course it does. But I almost feel- It's great to sing naked in the shower too. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But I almost feel like it's part of my job to where, you know- Yeah, I agree with that. I agree. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I tend to like enjoy practicing in heels because I feel like it prepares me more for like what I Well, I definitely feel like that is really always wise is to do as much preparation as possible for what it'll be like in performance. Mm -hmm. So that performance is- Not a surprise. Yeah, there's no, yeah, less surprises. (laughs) There's always gonna be surprises. The cell phone that goes off in the middle of your high note. Do I have a, where is my support? What's happening with it? Why isn't it working? You know, those kinds of things. Why did the orchestra forget to play? Yes, yeah. what is What happened to the clarinet that was going to play the pitch that I could find? That's the baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been there and done that. Yeah. Did, who, did they just have an aneurysm? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Am I supposed to not turn around? <laughs> well, and the main thing to remember as sopranos is, it's never our fault. <laughs> never heard right. that one before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. well, never be because of something we didn't know. No. I think this, it, I was amazed, and I haven't heard the whole cycle just because I haven't had time, yeah. Gabby, but I was really amazed at how light and airy the orchestration was. Yeah, for this yeah. song in particular. This is very different than, you know, the piece sort of takes on a different flavor. And, you know, I, I you know, from what I remember about reading about it, I just always assumed the whole thing was, when he wrote it, it was orchestrated, but I, originally it was, um, he orchestrated, I think, maybe one of the pieces originally, or like, he didn't do the whole thing. He's such a good orchestral composer, eventually he went back and did orchestrate it, but that wasn't his initial intent, necessarily. Um, and then I think they asked him to. Um, but it's, it's a beautiful song cycle, and a lot of the later pieces are much more lush, mm-hmm. um, and much more what you think of when you think of Barely Girls. Mm-hmm. When I heard this, I thought, I, well, I, I'm not familiar with it at all. Mm-hmm. I thought, wow, I would like to sing that. Yeah. And it inspired me to also hear the whole song cycle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So isn't that what music is yeah. all about? Yeah. yeah. Because I, I'm not familiar, and I thought, you wow, I want, yeah. I would mm-hmm. really, yeah. Yeah, that's always a good time. Yeah, but it, uh, she's, I think, there must be other sopranos that have done it, but it's its mainly in the mezzo land. I always associate it with Regine Tristana. Well, again, so she did, did both. Yeah. So how did the, the, the you know, mezzo piece get picked by sopranos? We were talking well, about earlier, all sopranos, and yet, you know. Yeah, all the good stuff is for mezzos. For heaven's sake, right? Oh, fair <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, I know several of, several have, it's not particularly low. It's one of those species. No, species. yeah, it's not particularly low or particularly high. So, kind of so it's like a church hymn. Yeah, it's a long church hymn. Like <laughs> I'm sorry. I was, 30 you know, minutes of singing, you know. They're all but. too low for you, I know. <laughs> well, stop I just think they're so here. difficult because they're like from a low B to like uh, an F in the same hymn. It's just incredibly like, and they're just so much switching. Well, I anyway, just think I'll they're not written well now. for the voice. Yeah, no, they're not written well for the voice, especially for people who aren't trained singers. Like, they're supposed to be written for a congregation, and the congregation is like, what? We'll do a jump right. too. Yeah. But, yeah. 
this piece is not again anything no. not particularly higher. Mm -hmm. so. It it it's really nice. I yeah. thoroughly enjoyed being introduced to it, and like you, Megan, I will I will listen to the whole song. Today, yeah. So so much our song rep though is very middle like that. I mean, it yes. could really be easily yeah. interpreted yeah. by either. The and only issue is that it's the big orchestra of that time period. So good point. Yeah. Very good point. Mm -hmm. This piece is not obvious, but. When did the clock start up? My dad <laughs> fixed it today. Apparently. I know, I noticed it the like eight. I was like, it's nine. Like, you know, it is. It's ringing. Thank <laughs> yeah. you, Roger. Yeah, and he talked to me how to fix it. They were here last like, night. That. Yeah, they're, they're headed to Vermont. They brought my rice bin. This is the design. Our rice Your bin. Your beautiful, gorgeous yes. Yes. poster bag. Yes, so oh. you'll, you'll have to I come up and see, see it. Because you know, a rice bin's like a Charleston. So, wow. Indeed yeah. it is, and it's, I'm sure it's good luck on some level, having yeah. a, a rice bed from Charleston. Yeah. Like, Lee Montello, get out of her bag. What in heaven's name? Are, um, do you think well, maybe we should talk about wine number two, yeah. since we're way <laughs> off now, okay. talking about rice beds and Lee Montello. Mm -hmm. So, um, what do you think of wine number two? What Aromas or this has flavors? More vanilla. This it has, has more vanilla. This has more vanilla. Mm -hmm. the Europe. Mm -hmm. AKA me. <laughs> and it's maybe a little herbalier. A little more herbaceous. Herbaceous. Probably the proper word. I prefer wine one. You prefer I wine one. Okay. But I like this. Some of the finish is not as nice as the first. Yeah, the, the finish, finish is very yeah, and the finish is very green to me. Oh, it's it's like old. It's like kind of grassy a little bit. Well, I feel if I feel like this one versus the first one, the is. The finish is out of balance, meaning mm. the tannins yeah. quickly overpower the fruit that you get on the mint palette. You guys know what I mean when I say mint palette? No. Yeah. <laughs> so, mint palette is basically when you bring the wine in your mouth and it's sitting on your tongue. And that's like before, I mean, if you are enjoying the wine instead of just gulping and drinking the wine, there's wine in your mouth for a little period where you're like, what does this taste like? Yeah. That's kind of the mint palette when it's there. And then as you begin to swallow, the flavor profile completely changes, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. And so in this one, that beautiful kind of lush black plum fruit that's at the center of the core dissipates very quickly and tannins come on quite strong and start mm -hmm. to become astringent maybe in your back teeth. For me, they are in my, along the gums and my back teeth. Mm -hmm. That was such a good explanation of that. Yeah, that was a, wow, I feel like I understand that so much better now. Well, and because, I mean, I was leading a tasting earlier today uh, to educate the staff at the club, and, you know, one of them says to Jake, why, do you, when you put the wine in your mouth, do you squish it around in your mouth? Why do you do that? I said, oh, well, I'll explain. Yeah. It's not just mint palate, it's, it's because you really only taste six things on your tongue, and they're very basic things. You know, if you hold your nose, you only taste those basic things. And it's the air that comes from your nasal passages down the back mm -hmm. of your throat. And, inner, and and so that air that links between your mouth and your nasal passages creates all those other flavors and nuances that you get. And so what I do when I kind of swish it around or maybe draw a little air in is I'm increasing the airflow between my olfactory nerve and what's going on in my mouth. So I'm getting more uh, receptors going to try and figure out what I'm tasting. Do you see how much like singing this is? <laughs> it is. Well, you just yes. described it to a bunch of singers. Yeah, so right. <laughs> it's, it's like, Fair it's enough. 
crazy. I never noticed before, like, how many interesting... Besides the fact that we're all orally fixated, of course. <laughs> of course. It's kind of like a salted chocolate caramel on the nose, which is really kind of cool. I love it's how It's got the vanilla like and it. the... I know. It's great. <laughs> but I definitely think, for me, it just it doesn't linger as pleasantly as, as number one. But mm-hmm. I really enjoy it. Yeah. For me, I would want, if I had this wine in my cellar, I would be like, oh, that I'm going to wait a few years uh, on the next bottles, and hopefully some of those tannins will soften and more of the fruit will come forward because it's pleasant. Mm-hmm. So, But I'm enjoying this. So um, we should uh, move on to wine number three and, and selection number three.
okay. This is um, La Possession by César Franck. Mm. And um, I was first introduced to this song by, in a recital that actually my husband was playing for Joe Regan. And I, I mean, I was just struck by like, kind of like, what were you talking about with all these things? It's so simple. It's like a hymn. It's like the, uh, yeah. the most it definitely sounds like a song. basic, gorgeous like melody, but with all of this complex um, harmony going on under it, with lots of like suspensions and beautiful things happening that sounds so much like organ playing, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Which right. is what Franck was really did. You know, that's who he was. And the words are so beautiful because this is about. Um, the blessing of the fields. So, in so there were some wazos in there. Yeah, there <laughs> were definitely wazo. And um, just generic. Ones, yeah, right. It's hard to find the man. I'm sorry. X. So like more than one. Right. Anyway. Right, because um, one of those wazos is probably black. There we go. I'm certain that it was. And um, anyway, I just think it's so beautiful how it's that it's so we as we're talking about hymns, it says. Human hymns and birds blend your songs. So, and it's talking mm. about, he's kind of making um, parallels between the scent of the flowers and incense in church. And it's just so, it, but it's so, um, it's so much like a hymn, but so much better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like it has all the operatic mm. that we adore and love. Like that that's just how tenors sing, you know? Like mm -hmm. how could it be anything other than that? And. Um, um, it can be. Oh man, Angela, yes, Tanya. Yeah. I always think of him as Georg Hughes' ex-husband. Yeah. That's cool. You know, but, right. But I mean, like, he's, husband, so, I, yeah. he, I, I feel like he's one of those tenors who hasn't gotten tons of, you know, rep, you know, respect, and people don't, well, but, and I'm not saying he's the world's best, Damn, if he's not long, he has a longevity yeah. to his career. He definitely does. He picks the things that he does well yeah. and hangs out there, yeah. which is what Pavarotti did yeah. better. But yeah. what Pavarotti did, nobody criticized him for hanging out where he was good. Right. And I mean, I I was kind of shocked, frankly, when I heard him singing this. I don't I would I don't really associate him with French rap. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think his. The Romeo and Juliet that they did together was very beautiful, mm. but like this, um, this I was surprised by. It's just so clean, you know. It's mm -hmm. very clean singing, and um, I think it's really beautiful. I heard him a year ago at the Met doing Butterfly, and I wasn't, I didn't have high expectations, but in fact, he was very good. Yeah, mm -hmm. he I've seen him live as well. And solid, yeah. yeah, solid. Like not mm -hmm. the best tenor I've ever heard live, but just. He's pretty consistent. He was awesome. Well, it, 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 it let you first meet him. Well, I was going to say, I, I never heard him sing before. Yeah. I, mean, I haven't heard this piece. And what struck me is, wow, it came alive when he went up to his top range. Mm -hmm. It's like, right. wow, what, who are you? What, mm -hmm. what? Mm -hmm. And if you're equating this to a hymn, when it was more in the middle range and just very simplistic, that's exactly what it, I don't mean it in a negative way. I mean, that's, that's what it felt like. But I, I was wondering who this was because at first I thought, 
at first I thought, well, who, who is this? <laughs> like it wouldn't have been my choice. And then I heard him continue to sing, especially when he got in his upper range. And I yeah. thought it was extraordinary. And then, and then as you blend the whole thing, I thought, wow, I, re I actually really like that. I like that as a whole piece. It's funny, the piece as a whole, I had a hard time pinning. It didn't sound like an art song to me, right. you know? It, it didn't doesn't. sound like opera. No, so it's it funny that you said it's him-like and that it is Franck because... He's a sleeper. It, yeah. Franck is I a would sleeper have thought of him. He, he was so influential, like Duparc was one of his students. He was a professor at the Paris Conservatoire for a very long time. He had one of the most important church jobs in Paris. I think he was at Saint-Sulpice, but I'm not sure he was at one of the most important churches, and lots of the composers of the day were, I think he was more influential than he was um, famous as a composer. Mm -hmm. But in fact, like, I mean, if we think about what do we love, like, what do we sing all the time? Fanny Sanjay, yes, yeah. all the time. Give me a break. Like, yes. you can't beat it. It's amazing. People yeah. love it. And he, and it's fun to sing. Right? Yeah. It is. It feels it's good. good. It feels good. Yeah. And again, very simple, but so poignant, and that's exactly what mm -hmm. this piece is. Yeah. Yeah. I always think about how, um, when I sing his hymns, how there's always a few lines that I'm like, ooh, I wish this was a solo. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, I want, and I often wonder, do the voice parts get a little spot like this, or is it just... He must have liked tenors. I think, think he liked he tenors. Uh, I do think so. Mm -hmm. You think he liked tenors? You think he liked tenors? <laughs> he liked like tenors? Maybe. Well, he liked... I don't know. I'm just wondering, you know. He, his father refused to let him marry the girl he wanted to marry, so he left his parents and, like, was became estranged from them. Hmm. So that... No, maybe not. Maybe not like He tenors. just liked That's okay. It doesn't matter, but sometimes <laughs> we all know a lot of composers who, because they can become romantically involved yeah. with another artist, start to work with that other artist in some fashion, whether it's a sculptor, sculptor, right. or lover, Strauss, Strauss, Strauss etc. So yeah, much Mozart. happens. That's me why I was wondering. Yeah, all of them. Um, yeah. yeah. So. David Megan. Right. Yeah. You right create all this culinary <laughs> art for Dave. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> Maybe not so much. He just gets I mean, you did do vegan with Megan. That's right. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, that was then we started off singing together. Yeah. That's how we started off. Yeah. I love it. In a church bar, isn't that beautiful? It <laughs> oh, is. that's very beautiful. It is, I know. Love it. Mm. So, what do you think of wine number three? It's like cherries to me. Yeah, cherries. I would say it's very okay. tart. It's a little mm. more acidic than the other two. Brighter fruits like. than the other yeah, two? Yeah, 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 a lot of fruit. Which is probably why I like uh, it. My, um, for those for me, I got things like grilled meats and rosemary. And, grilled meats, my goodness. Yeah. Kind of like the fat smell you get when you like you roast lamb. Making me hungry. With rosemary. Oh, like something go. go get some food and that one. <laughs> I just, you know, that's kind of what I got on the nose. And then I really got the bright berry fruit yeah. on the palate. Mm -hmm. You know, it's definitely a more vibrant wine than the other two in terms of just Fruit flavor. It's fruit. very fruitful. Yeah, right. I but I wouldn't say, say sweeter. It's, but it's, but it's not sweeter. But it's not but, sweet. Yeah. It's not sugary. It's it, it's like right bright right. It's like not overly ripe fruit that gets jammy and mm -hmm. sweet mm -hmm. and syrupy. It's like when you bite into like 
a fresh blackberry and stuff, and you're like, ooh, it's fruit, and there's a little tartacinity oh. here. And we'll go get out of the cabinet. <laughs> He's looking for the bright oh, berries. Dude, come on. Tambuka, can I just say this is literally the best cornbread I've ever eaten? Who made this? Megan. <laughs> is she totally in there? Tambuka. <laughs> so, um, yeah, she was in the punch bowl. So, um. Uh, well, uh, aren't we all? Right. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so this wine is probably markedly the most different of the three. I agree. Yeah, um, agreed. I would not have guessed. Merlot. Merlot. Yeah. You might have guessed. Just wondering. I I mean probably a blend if I'm going to be honest because mm -hmm. I can't really pinpoint. Um, but definitely it's it's got that jammy fruitiness and the finish isn't um, what I'm used to with a Merlot. It's it doesn't have that dry of a finish to me. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that's associated with Merlot. It's just in my head um, that it's associated with Merlot. But yeah, I don't know. It's. I wouldn't have a clue Pretty, as to yeah. what to label it if, if but you I'm didn't not a If you were if you didn't know it was Merlot, you would be a little I'd be like, I don't know. No, I I I really am enjoying this wine. Well, I it's, like it too. Yeah. I like it a lot. Um yeah. really different unique. Well, and we're coming up on the on the way to the dump hiatus, uh, which I'm gonna probably have to come up with another name for because nobody's helping me with those things. <laughs> so uh, our fourth <laughs> selection before we get there, I guess I need you to pick your favorite wine, and I'll... Yeah. I'm going to go with number one, still. Okay. Yeah. I'm between one and three, but I think, I think I'll go one as well. I'm doing three. With three? I'll do three. All right. Five, three. Four, one, four, one, three, three. three. <laughs> awesome. I will uh, start the tune and then pour the wine. <laughs> Thank you. 
that is Je suis Titania. Yes. From Mignon. Ambroise Thomas. Not so good at pronouncing the French, but. Um, and the singer is Lily Pond. Mm, so. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. That makes sense. You know, yeah. it's so interesting how she never has any extra air. It's <laughs> always like total, complete abduction the whole time. Like her chords are really coming together. Oh my god, she's just something. Yeah, and so, and part, like with the song. Um, how early is this recording, do you know? I'm not sure. It's, it's, got, it's probably yeah. mid 30s given the recording contract. Crazy. Yeah, and it sounds, all the caller to me sounds like a bird, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and that's yeah. why you That was it? my yeah. connection. It could be a blackbird. Yeah. Sounds like a blackbird. I don't know what a blackbird sounds like, but. Yeah. Were you Very familiar with this before you? I had heard it a long time ago, so I was somewhat familiar, but I, I, that's one thing I love about this is either the YouTube hole or the Spotify hole mm-hmm. that I fall down. Oh, that yes. I fall down yeah, and I'm looking for that. things. So I'm like, ooh, that's great. And then I like sit and listen and I'm like, oh, mm. I'll love drinking so, wine, of course. Sometimes. Sometimes I'm at work, so I'm not drinking wine. But, <laughs> yes. but I bet you wish yeah. you were. I wish I was. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, well, she's just amazing. Like, yeah. she is amazing. So funny. I was listening to it. I'm like, oh, she's not adding any, like, because I feel like a lot of modern color tourists feel like they need to add high G's and high notes to everything. But like, I know it's interesting to hear singers of a different era and their different stylistic interpretations mm-hmm. of this. Mm-hmm. And like the tempo shifts are really it's different. The beginning they're pretty crazy. extreme for like what I'm used to with this piece. And I kind of like it. Mm-hmm. It's like make a choice. And just well, sometimes in the know. recording era she was in, Tempe also were influenced by the recording. Because yes. now we live in a term of, oh, we can go as long as we want. And sometimes it was, we had to fit yes. a certain number of things on oh, a right. thing. Right. So yeah. sometimes Tempe were influenced by, you know, and so, whatever you were fitting on that record. Right, on that side of the record. <laughs> or on that side of the record, exactly. Yeah. And so um, it's not that, hey, cut it out, Sambuca. Gosh, the zoo is just active tonight. So, there's no way of knowing how much of it was yeah. one thing or the other. You know, it's so funny. I never thought about it that way before, that they were so restricted in their interpretations mm. by the length of a recording. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't either. I had heard... Because right back in the 30s, there weren't so many... Nobody had tapes, really. That they were, there was no at home tapes. It was no, no, no. records. Mm-hmm. Right. So it had to be what would fit on the side. Yeah. I thought I had heard something about them speeding up the, like right. speeding up the recording. We're recording? Because a lot of the vibrato they can speeds play, up fast. Yeah. They can do that too. Yeah. I mean, you, so you, sometimes you like wonder, was her vibrato so what fast? What did they really sound But the other like? thing is, you, you're not hearing. It doesn't to me feel like the whole piece is sped no, up. No, certain sections. You know what I mean? As in, and, and, the whole piece doesn't seem sped up. Her vibrato seems constant throughout. True. I doubt they dialed everything up because some of those cello. slower sections, yet if they had been, would be really slow. So, yeah. Or I just wonder if it was. Yeah. You know the variation. Again, not being a music historian, not studying this specifically, I wouldn't know. I just know there was, and you do too, Jessica, monkeying around. Well, so I was chatting with one of our recording arts faculty at Peabody, and 
um, just kind of talking about how recordings are made and how everything, and he said that Jessica, on a single track of a classical music recording today, right now, there are 125 edits. Wow. So literally nothing. Well, we, when that we, we like, wait, so, yeah, like 125 edits in one track. That means one art song, one whatever. Like that's the typical amount of editing that's done to each track. So what we hear on recording is perfect. Has mm-hmm. growing up in the era of recordings, which all of us have, like our idea of what singing sounds like. It's like a magazine. Exactly. It's exactly. Yes. Yeah. Like, but I mean, alternate reality. Last yes. month. Trevor, when he was here, was talking about like there are people. Every note of a song will be completely yeah. clipped and cut in together. That's what Not crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What do you so mean? Uh, do people do that to their audition? What do you mean? Wait, uh, oh, you, I'm sure they do. Wait a minute. Are you saying do they don't? I've I've heard that they they extend because I was wondering. I was what do they do? Because they classical, they can actually yes. splice. I was talking to my old voice teacher, and she told me that someone she recorded with. So I was like, "How do they do this in one phrase?" She's like, "She did they it. Don't they put it together?" Because I was trying to do this phrase uh, in one breath, and she was like, "Why are you doing that? Like, that's not no one does it. No one does no it one live. Can do it. It's not human yeah. possible." Because I was like killing myself, you know, trying to do this in one breath, and she's like, your tone, your tone quality is suffering. Because oh. it was impossible to do. I'm sure someone can do it, but like, the particular recording I had listened to had been edited to make two phrases fit together. Wow. Because I never crazy, crazy impressive. impressive. And, yeah, yeah it, I, it was so, so, it blew my mind. Well, I mean, it's like, I'm notorious for not breathing when I sing. Really? Oh, oh. for heaven's sake. Just well, as in like waiting and not taking the breath (laughs) and being like, let's see if I can do this gigantic long phrase, etc. And I remember someone once telling me, I don't know any audience member who sits there usually sits there and goes, Wow, they didn't take a breath there. Yeah. Versus, wow, what a glorious sound that was. So why would you let, as you mentioned, Tone yeah. suffer for that breath. I used to get yelled at for the same reason because I would I, I would stack my air trying to make these phrases and the tone quality was you know you could tell I was just like holding back and holding back so that the tone wasn't as beautiful and spinny as it could have been. I made it through this phrase and I'm so proud of myself. But like, who did I impress? I impressed myself. Like mm-hmm. you know, it's it wasn't necessary for the piece. I thought maybe text wise it would have been lovely to do, but. I mean, look, yeah. don't get me wrong. I abhor when people breathe in the middle of words. Oh, yeah, don't breathe um, in the middle of words. Those oh, things no. piss me off. Say, oh, can. <laughs> or breathe yeah. after every word, so right. you have no phrasing. I have breathed in the middle of a Bach word before. Is it during a coloratura phrase? Yeah, yeah. That's a I'm really sorry, but I am going to just. I'm coming out with the truth here. No, during a coloratura phrase is different. Yeah, coloratura phrase. Totally different. I'm ser- we're serious. Like I'm talking like I'm talking Can you like do the whole rejoice okay, in one one breath? Yeah. Let's let's go back. Let's no. go back to Pani Sanjeli Goose. Alright? Pani Sanjeli Goose. Oh yeah, yeah. Which I have heard. Right. I have heard. Yes, I have. 
As Mr. Hart said, I will throw yes, a at you. Yes, I have. I've even heard people who canter masses and sing Kyrie a ladies' song. Oh, now that is just no. egregious. Okay, so those are the things that tick me off. When you're doing some color return passage, yeah. that is not yeah. about the text at yeah. that point. That's about singing. So you, it, that's a different thing, mm -hmm. you know, totally different thing. When if it was art song without color turf, wouldn't you get ticked off? If someone yeah. was breaking up those mm -hmm. words. So it suddenly you, I mean, especially for myself, if it was in a foreign language, I would have a real problem understanding it. Yeah. And then sometimes in English, I just like, wait a second, what the, you know? So it breaks it up. But if it's about the voice emoting versus the text at a point, yeah. it's there's a different set of rules. And also, don't you think it has to be with the tempo? Because I think that when you find the tempo that really is, really works, then the phrases work. Oh yeah, sure. That's true. Yeah, and that, that not in Bach. Bach is an exception. <laughs> Agreed. But I've seen like, especially right. if you're a tenor, I've seen singers where basically the conductor is holding them hostage, mm -hmm. and these are professional singers where they've had to breathe in the middle of phrases. Yeah. But it's the conductor's fault. Right. So that's what, and yeah. Well, then you have to breathe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, if you're going to go with that tempo, fine. But it, it's a general rule. Well, yes. I mean, like, granted, I, I, I know that I, I hate it enough that when I'm in those situations where I'm being held hostage by conductor or organist, because sometimes you go into somewhere, you're subbing, and then the organist is like, Taking the death play. Oh my god. You know, oh, yeah. Dear Lord and you're like, That's the worst. You're like, holy lord. Oh, yeah. you know? Just because you can't play this doesn't mean I should die. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. um. <laughs> but it's interesting listening to recordings from like the 30s, 40s, you know, earlier recordings. Because mm -hmm. you hear, I mean, maybe the quality is, is sped up or who knows. But you you get a much um, you know that it hasn't been adulterated right. in the well, way that, that there was no way anybody was like oh I didn't like that you know yeah. I know Fix let's it. clip in the one you did over Correct. here right. no no so you're getting yeah. like a more uh, that was that was probably one take yes yeah mm -hmm. it well, might sure have it, it might have they might have taken fifty takes to get that one take right but that was probably one take right and that that, that there is an honesty to those older recordings in that yeah there were some like kind of dicey moment. Yeah. And that, no, like, I respect that, I like that, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, that's, that's like, why I like, okay, real. Yeah, it doesn't have a dicey moment. When I can, I try to listen to live recordings. You know, I used to have this mindset when I, you know, listened to, if, if I saw a band or something and they couldn't play a live show, which happened all the time, I was like, how do you even, how the are you a thing? thing? Right, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because ultimately, like, our art form is a live art form. You know, you, you can't lip sync your way through it. So it's nice to hear something that you know is genuine, and a live recording will give you that for the most part. Mm -hmm. The other thing is about recordings is that what classical singing is about is being able to project in a space and singing unamplified. Right. The space so is bigger than so your living room. Right. Thank you. And so it is so hard to know. It's just it's it is absolutely about live. Mm -hmm. Um. So, Live is so important. different question on this is, I mean, I've heard this aria, well, when I was a Peabody, I probably heard it a lot more than I'd ever heard it before, because I think it's like a good audition or competition I, piece yeah, and stuff. It's a show, right? show yeah. It's a show yeah. piece. Yeah. 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 Does anybody do this freaking opera anymore? No, almost mm -hmm. never. 
Mignon? No, that's too bad. No, in all in all the cities I've lived in, I've never think in all the cities I've lived in it with major houses. It's never been put on. Everyone sings the Puy Le Jour. Everyone sings to Sweet Titania, and no one. And then these are also Beverly Hills big pieces. Yeah, right. I was thinking. I've never heard of that. I didn't even hear. Yeah, I thought. Well, that should be Beverly Hills. Well, maybe City Opera did it, but you know. Right. I mean, it's been done, but. You know, it would have to take, if it was going to be put on, it would have to be for another star. So right, like Ray Fleming or someone. I mean, I don't yeah. even know who's a big enough star they can demand their own repertoire anymore, but. I thought the other one is Thais, like no one does really Thais. Thais is now being done a lot more, and it is, so here's the difference. Thais, from start to finish, has a lot of beautiful music, not just for the soprano, but True. for the baritone. True. And as a story, it's a very, I mean, I read it in, like, a lit class in college. Like, it's a well-known story. But Mignon, like, aside from that piece, does anyone know anything from that? No. no. So, I mean, no, at least Thais sure. has the meditation from Thais. Right. Like, which is one of my favorite pieces yeah. of music ever. Mm-hmm. So even, like, a piece... Excuse me, I want it, I mean... <laughs> Thanks, Jay. It doesn't really turn me on in the same way, but I do want it sung at my, or performed at my wedding or funeral, whichever go. happens first. <laughs> it's that beautiful. Like, the I, want the, I want the entract from, Car- from Carmen yeah. at mine. Yeah. All right. At your funeral. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. But it's... God, um, I don't have my funeral music. Me that's either. all right. You got to got plan her. It's good. It's good. Oh man! No, um, I think I'm gonna pick out the wine I want served at my funeral before I pick up the music. <laughs> I definitely. Oh, my food is there. Oh, there you <laughs> go. what? What is it? Oh, I want peeling shrimp, like wow. the big ones, Yummy. and buffalo wings. Okay, classic. Oh, oh, that's amazing. I haven't thought about food or wine at my funeral. I haven't Just thought about music. anything. I've only <laughs> thought about music. Yeah. <laughs> now, now I gotta make a fuller list. Right. There you go. How well, we have time. Bad. We pray. Yeah. We hope. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, dear. Well, that that was a really fun choice uh, that you picked. I I I picked it because I don't think we've heard Lily Pons here. And oh, really? Really? No, I don't think we have at all. Um, very cool. I mean, I didn't actually literally go back and listen to every episode, yeah. but I don't recall us having Lily really Pons. And she was big, big major star. star. Yeah. She's the yeah. original gangster. I mean, yeah. let's get real, guys. She well, I mean, she did the movies and yeah. she did recording career. She kind of did, she did it she, all. Yeah, she was the real deal. I um wonder what and didn't was it was it her or was it the other young lady Deanna Durbin? There was a, there were a couple of these starlets, you know, that were opera singer type, and they just all they did was like study with their teachers all day long, hmm. every single mm-hmm. day, and Sounds they would nice. go to French class and they would just like, and I often think like. What would it be like for singers today had access to that? And I, I'm not sure it would actually be better. Mm-hmm. Well, and they, you know, laid around on fainting couches and drank champagne and, you know, that type of stuff. And got paid in gold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they got that I would gold, love. bars of gold yeah. for their. That was, uh. <laughs> what, who was that? Not the chair? Oh, I'm trying to remember the singer got paid at in a, gold. Adeline um, Patty at a. Gosh, I'll yeah. have to remember and post it online or something. Yeah, but. it was Kat. Catherine had re- read her uh, biography. Oh my gosh! Can yeah. you write that? In I want to say. Contract? I want to say like. Uh, it was written in her contract. Yeah. I will awesome. be paid in gold. That's awesome. 
Yeah. Hey, you know what? That makes I a lot of sense paid. considering you perform right. around the world. Right. You know, like yeah. to make sure you like. Yeah, you get the right. Gold is the only so. real consistent currency. Yeah, I mean, there's a little real. fluctuation, but yeah. not the kind that monetary <laughs> yeah. currency. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Well, all right. Okay, so this what, is all, this what, note to self, right? Yeah. Note to self. <laughs> when we, when we yeah. Well, I mean, those were the olden days where you could, you know, Demand take voice lessons all day. Apparently, lay on fainting couches and drink mm. champagne and get paid in gold. Yeah, that's what I. Was Other doing. than that, it was pretty crappy to be a woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll oh, take that. So true. true. That's so true. true. Pretty sure. crappy to be a woman. Oh. All right. All right. We're gonna reveal our so we're going to reveal the wine, right? right. So number one, number which one. was half of your yeah, choices. Yeah, that's my favorite. Like so, um, number one is Chateau Saint-Michel oh. Merlot from oh. Columbia Valley, 2014. Okay. Um, that is a Washington State yep. wine. Mm -hmm. um, you all have probably heard of Chateau Saint-Michel, yeah. right? Yeah. And but <laughs> I, I mean, How many of you know that Merlot is one of the wines that... Um, that Washington State is really known for. I did not, I did yeah. not know. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I just always think of Pinot Noir as being Oregon and... As being Washington. Oregon and that kind of stuff? Well, I mean, that that that's kind of gets all depressing. Maybe it goes back to the sideways thing where mm -hmm. Pinot Noir like, like exploded so after that. Yeah. Um, but um, really, I mean, Washington State wines have taken off with a lot more different varietals mm -hmm. than Pinot Noir. In fact, there's not a lot of Pinot Noirs that come out of Washington they State. Cabs. You know, they got cabs yeah. and they have some other blends and they do some interesting uh, whites and stuff that I've had a lot of fun with. But this one is... Um, yeah, I think more white. Yeah. I mean, this one is quite, I think it's quite enjoyable and I think it's quite representative of the base flavor profiles that one gets from a Washington State Merlot. So mm -hmm. if you said, I like number one, yeah. um, I would say, well, go and explore some other Washington State Merlots. Mm -hmm. um, and do and you guys want to hazard a guess at about how much this costs? 18. I would guess 24. 13 to $15. Oh, there we go. Oh, for heaven's sake. Nice. Yeah. For so really an affordable like wine that you, you could enjoy. And now uh, granted, there are some Washington State Merlots that are like 80 bucks a bottle mm -hmm. and stuff too. And I'm not saying they're bad, they're yeah. good, but there's a range. So if you enjoyed this one and you want to explore more, I'd say dive in. Um, and I, I definitely think, I mean, these are Malos I would want to fucking drink. Yeah. So um, I really <laughs> do. Probably right about Dodge. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it's 100% Merlot. Yeah. Um, I said 13 to 15, so one more buck. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, might, you might find it for 12 somewhere, but, but it's, uh, it's, you know, probably not that likely. Uh, so our second wine, nobody's favorite, but we didn't mm. just like it. Oh, yeah. it was mine. Oh, it was your favorite? <laughs> okay, really? Yeah. And actually, I thought you liked three. You liked it. I did like three, yeah. but I poured number two. Uh, well, I, I'll be honest. I poured number two because I was like, well, I'm going to have to drink that anyway before <laughs> the end of the night, so I'm going to drink some now. And actually, it's better now than it was when I first really? poured it. It really opened up. I'll encourage all of you to taste it again, mm -hmm. okay. even if it's just a splash. Yeah. So this is Chateau La Corrienne from Saint-Emilion. It's a uh, Grand Cru Bordeaux. It's a Merlot-based blend. So um, while it is not technically what we would think of as Merlot because it's not 75% or more, 
70 percent Merlot with the with the other blend, so it's very high. And I thought, well, with the theme of being French Merlot, I had to have French yeah. um, in this. Um, and so, I th I think that this is really representative, good representative of your of what a uh, Merlot-based Bordeaux blend would be like uh, in today's era. Uh, and 2014, just in case you don't know, is like one of the considered better Bordeaux vintages. Uh, so uh, so in that sense, uh, I know there are a lot of people think French wine expensive, and that's uh, not necessarily untrue here. This is like 21 to $25. That's not super expensive. Um, but if, sometimes when we have a really good vintage, uh, especially in France, it's a way of being like, well, any idiot can make good tasting wine, and the and the really good winemakers make awesome tasting wine. So it's when you find out there's a really good vintage of Bordeaux, it's pretty cool to be like, I'm going to buy some of those cheaper ones and and maybe find one or two I like and and buy some. So this would maybe fall into that kind of category of playing around. So. I, I, I did it. I don't have courage to all taste it. I thought I got much more balanced after it opened gotcha. up. So okay. it was really good. All right. So, number three. Do you, you, know, do you know what they are that when you wrap them he up? He does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I have to. I mean, One person I just to. wondered if you wrap No, them I, can't, up. I can't do them. I think a blind can do blind. I cannot do set these up blind for me. Yeah. I, I did, yeah. Paige set them up blind for me last month. Mm -hmm. oh, wow. So, yeah. For the fake wine women in some. The reverse. <laughs> the reverse. The reverse. Yeah. You should have dressed in drag. That would have made it oh, there oh, we go. pretty off. Tell I all heard the that was pretty fun time. Yeah. Right? yeah. So this one, was uh, the number, wine number three is Kenwood, uh, Jack London, uh, Sonoma Mountain, 2012 oh, Merlot. Okay. So this, uh, this is a uh, Merlot from the mountains in Sonoma County, uh, specifically. So they tend to have smaller berries, which ends up being brighter fruit. Um, they also uh, use a fair amount of French oak on this. So I, you know, and I personally, I really like a lot of wines that come out of Canada. Mm -hmm. um, and they, this is kind of their upper tier. They have some lower tiers that are also pretty nice. And Sonoma, uh, while a lot of people like Napa Valley Pinot Merlots, um, Sonoma has their own kind of character of Merlot. And this is, well, they probably have two, two or three different characters, but this is one of the most prominent kinds with that brighter fruit yeah. profile. Uh, so I thought that was really good. Um, and this retails for usually around uh, $25 to $30 a bottle, so it's a little more expensive. But, um, and so that was some of the, that was the other half of you yeah. really enjoyed that wine. So none of those, none of those wines, uh, uber expensive break the bank. No. And I don't think any of you thought they were bad wines. No, I enjoyed them. So maybe you'll have a Merlot another time instead no, of some other wine. That. We're going to bring yeah. back my, my mind is, yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm, <laughs> but I'm always looking for a good value when I, go to get wine yeah. of any kind. And you, just like I think in other times we've talked about buying wine from maybe an area that not everybody knows about, sometimes you get a good wine that is cheaper because not everybody knows about it. But if everybody thinks, you know, 
the best Cabernet Sauvignon comes out of Napa Valley, guess what Cabernet Sauvignons are going to be the most expensive? The ones from Napa Valley. Whereas if you find one maybe that you like from, I don't know, Lake County or, you know, Chile, then it's going to be cheaper. Usually. So it's kind of nice. Anyway, so that kind of brings us to our playout song, which uh, Heather, who couldn't be here, I asked to pick. And she picked uh, She picked wine number one. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Heather, number that's one, for two, you. <laughs> um, but um, she, uh, she ended up uh, picking a song titled Blackbird, of all things, mm-hmm. but sung by Nina Simone. Um, and and uh, this is what Heather wrote in her email to me. So I'm just going to read her exactly what she wrote. The meaning behind this song speaks to the struggle and pain of black women as black birds. She expresses the pain of feeling unloved and uncared for not understood. Black women face a triple jeopardy of race, class, and gender oppression, which is detailed by the term intersexuality. Simone's lyrics express the collective pain of many black women. And this, from Heather Locker-Wheeler, when someone tells you that you can't, you can't sit here, you can't work, you can't live here, you can't have an education, and the list goes on. Tell them to fuck off, then spread your wings and fly. Hmm. You go, you Heather. Said something yes. very similar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. 